This is Akoswa Dardane Edwards, and you are listening to Caribbean Power Lunch. Podcast World. This is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black owned businesses. I am your host, Kevin Valley, and today we talk to a gender and entrepreneurship specialist, an award winning social entrepreneur, published author, and founder and managing director of Enabling Enterprise Project, Ms. Akosua Dardane Edwards. Akosua, how are you? I'm fine. Thank you very much for having me, Kevin. So Akosua, what is the um, Enabling Enterprise Project? Tell everybody about the work that you guys do. Yeah, so what we we do is use entrepreneurship as an empowerment vehicle, focusing on women. And the main areas we look at is in rebuilding communities. So if there's a natural disaster or sometimes in different parts of the world, a civil war, or any kind of uprising like that, a lot of times the women are left to do the rebuilding mm-hmm. of the communities. So we look at teaching them to fish, really. So using entrepreneurship as a empowerment vehicle to not just earn a living, but to build self-confidence and, and resilience and, and tap into those qualities. And in this part of the world, we use the entrepreneurship in rural areas using natural resources. So we look at what you already have and use that to start the process. So that's it in a nutshell, really, at the end of it. Some of the businesses work and some don't, but the process, it builds resilience, it builds self-confidence, it builds uh, self-love. All right, so you have, you have three books, you know, first one talks about what did I learn today? Lessons on the journey to unconditional self-love. Um, you have a second book where, why are you here? The truth about living in service, love and personal power. And the final one is a bootstrapper's way, exploring the use of financial bootstrapping by women entrepreneurs in Trinidad and Tobago, right? But Akosua, before we speak about that, I mean, first of all, are those books Related to your other parts of your business or is that just your personal endeavors? Well, it the two books came out of my journey in building businesses in East Africa. So I started learning from the woman that I was charged with supporting. So it's really my story and how I found myself in the middle of a situation where I needed to to kind of learn the same qualities I was trying to teach. Interesting, interesting. And you know, and um, I keep saying the name Akosua, right? I said, where's this name Akosua from? Yeah. And according to my friend Google, it says Akosua <laughs> is an African girl's name. Yeah. Right? And it originally means born on a Sunday. It's actually yes. Ghanaian. It's a Ghanaian name, born on a Sunday. Girl born on a Sunday. You know, and it's funny that, you know, you, you get this African name and now, mm. you know, you spend most of your life traveling and working throughout yeah. Africa and yeah. everything. I think when my mother gave me the name, she didn't envision that at all. She mm. was really intrigued with Africa, having never been there. And, um, you know, she wanted to to give me the name coming out of getting involved in the 70s. Black Power Movement here. Oh, she was in that? Yeah. She was not actively involved, but she was really... Dumb dagger and all yeah, those guys? Yeah, she was really nice, in, into that kind of thing. So okay. I came along after and she, she wanted me to have an African name to know that I carry responsibility. Okay. So, I mean, it's all right. So, what, what, I mean, what was it like? Because I listened to a lot of your interviews, right? Yeah. And... And you tell this story about, you know, you in Uganda and everything. Yeah. And, and the lady asks you three questions. Yeah. Who are you? Yes. Why are you here? Yeah. And what are you going to do with your story? What yeah. are you doing with your story? Yeah. All right. But I mean, I heard the response that you, that you told her. Yeah. And when she put you in the corner and everything, and we'll get to that story. Yeah. All right. But I never get to 
actually here, but who is Okosua? Where did Okosua come from? Maybe I need to get that free book from Amazon <laughs> yes. also. But I, I, I want to hear, like, how did we even get to Uganda, right? Yeah. So, you know, where did this all start? So I understand you were, you were trained in accounts. Yeah. You know, you, you had a high profile position at um at one of the state enterprises in Trinidad and Tobago. And yeah. then you were terminating on national television. Tell us about that. Yeah. So I studied most of my time in the UK. So I wanted to come back to Trinidad and Tobago after studying and getting experience. And I was on this track to, in my mind, to become a very young finance director. Mm-hmm. I always wanted to be young and moving on. So I came back to Trinidad and I got to be the chief financial officer at a state enterprise. No, that's a big position just for somebody. I mean, yeah. I go, well, you knew somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it was almost like fate because I, I came back to Trinidad to do some research and I ended up meeting the chairperson of that board randomly. But I know everything is for a reason, so it wasn't random. Mm-hmm. And... We had this discussion. I said, I'm thinking about coming home. And at that point, I didn't think that I would get a position here to match my desire of being a young finance director. But that fell into my lap and I decided to to come back home and start this job. And what happened was just as I was settling into the job, Having just returned, an election was called and um, the ruling party lost the election. Mm -hmm. What year was this? This was 2010. Mm -hmm. So when that election was lost, that state enterprise was very topical. And the new prime minister fired five of us on TV, the five executives of that company, and it was a shock to us. We didn't expect it. We didn't know what was happening. So in my mind, when I got fired, I thought, well, it's the end of the world. You know, I'm a failure. And how am I rebounding from this? So I didn't really know what to do. I was lost. Wow. I mean, okay. So wait. Like part of you say, is this, I'm just a political ca- casualty right now. Do mm-hmm. you think it is like, hey boy, is, is it that I was just messing up on this job, boy? Like, what was going through your mind at that no, time? No, um, my ego was screaming that if you did certain things, you probably would not have been in this position. For example, if you didn't come home at all. Ah, oh, okay. Oh, you, you went further back. It's like, what you put yourself in this position Yeah, for? yeah, okay. yeah. Because I... I did have second thoughts about taking the job, but, you know, the money was good. Mm. (laughs) And it was a big position for a young person. So I actually thought about running away rather than facing it. And that's what I did. I went back to the UK. I know you left Trinidad a few times, right? Is this the first time? This was the second time because I studied out there. Okay. So I went back to something that I knew. And I was working, well, volunteering for an organization. It was a women's organization. Right. They were doing business support for women who were refugees. So this is when you were up in um, London, South Bank? Yeah. So they kind of saved me because I went back and they said, you know, come and fall back in. And um, they were forming UN women at that time. So... They asked me to go to Ottawa, Canada. Ottawa, Canada, right. I went to Ottawa, Canada. And what they were doing is they were formulating the policy to start UN Women by bringing in different people from different countries, different women, to hear their stories and talk about what they're doing on the ground and how, how UN Women could support them. So they sent me on that trip. Okay. And while I was on that trip, a woman from Uganda came in to the room and she started talking about she and a group of other women started a business after 27 years of civil war. And 
I just got hooked on that story. I was fascinated by it. And she was talking about what what they lost in the war and etc. And I was thinking, I just lost a job. What did they lose in the war? I mean, I'm like curious. They, what did they lose? They, they lost their families, their houses. The town was destroyed and um, some of their dignity and pride was gone because of some of the the atrocities that happened. Yeah. And this was this after you lost your husband, sir? When I got fired, I, that's, we decided that that's over. So I sat there and I'm thinking, I just lost a job and I just lost a relationship, which I could get a new job and I can also get a new relationship. But these people, they can't get back their families or their health. Right. So that's how come I ended up going to Uganda because she was asking for support, but not monetary support. And I said, I will go because that's as far as Trinidad and Tobago as possible. I just wanted to run away. Okay, I feel it. That's how I ended up living in in Uganda. And it really changed my perspective on things and how I should live my own life. Okay, let's go into your favorite story right now. So you <laughs> Josephine in Uganda is leading a meeting. Like this, this yeah. kind of drove me what's happening. Imagine I'm watching this in a movie. What am uh, I seeing? Okay. Well, Josephine was the spearhead of the the organization and and she wanted the different women in the villages to learn about running this business and saving money and, and spending money and using the money wisely. So they used to have every month or so a meeting, a VNS, Village and Savings Committee meeting. And my responsibility was to go and train them on budgeting and all the different things that um, they would require to use this money that we were about to earn. You know, it's so funny that everything is a celebration out there and I, I got there and they were celebrating that I came and you know they were dancing oh, yeah. what? and um they form a circle and in order for you to get into the circle you have to say who you are and as the the visitor they asked me first who are you and I I rattled out my name and I'm an accountant and I'm all these fancy I'm titles. I'm accountant. I was a big person in, in Trinidad <laughs> and Prime Minister fired me, so I'm here now. <laughs> Something like that. Okay. Because at that point, I didn't really deal with what had happened home. I didn't deal with that. So I was really looking for validation and self-importance outside of myself. And that was the perfect place. I, I came here. I'm, I'm coming to to train this group. So it's new beginnings. You get to reinvent yourself. Yeah. But not from a place of enoughness. It was just from a place of ego. Mm. And um, when they heard who I was, the circle didn't open for me to enter. After all that dancing? Yes, after the, the lovely welcome. And... She asked me again, you know, who are you? Not what you have. Who are you without those things? And I didn't know what to say. And I kept repeating what I do and where I came from and, and all of that lovely business. And they put me in a naughty corner. They told me, go on the side, sit down, think about who you are. And then when you know We'll open the circle. A for big you. woman like you, they, they tell go in the corner <laughs> yeah. and, think, and think about what you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you don't enter until you know who you are. And I sat there and I, I'm writing. I am a Koswa. I am a Koswa. I'm a Koswa. Nothing else would come for a while, and I was mad. I was embarrassed. I was upset. And then I just said, "Let me just calm myself." And think about this because I'm here and they are patiently waiting for me. And from that moment, I sat there and I thought, okay, so 
how do I want to show up in the world? Who am I without any of the titles that I called? And if those things are stripped away and which they were, then how would I describe myself? And that is when I sat there and I came up with a paragraph describing who I was with all the things. And then I went back to them and I, just a paraphrase, I said, my name is Akoswa and I'm here in love and in service. And I was let into the circle. And from that moment on, I started to pay attention to where I was and what I was doing with these women because it said to me that I was not the person that they fired. I wasn't defined by that and I am not defined by what I own, but I could define who I am. And when I show up, it must be in a way that improves where I am rather than just look out for myself and suck the energy out of where I am. So that sounds like a whole lot of Western deprogramming, right? Yeah, because absolutely. Because we are born, we are educated, we are told by our parents, you know, study hard, yes. work hard, accomplish this, pass this, yes. pass this exam, go to this school, yes. get this job or whatever. It is like, we tend to be our accomplishments, yes. even if it's not academic. Let's say, you know, all right, train hard, yes. run faster, yes. swim faster, Throw harder, punch harder, whatever it is. Drop a better rhyme, yeah. make a better calypso, beat the pan better. You know, yeah. we it's like we are what we do, yeah. As opposed to being who our heart is. So, like, how was that for you in terms of actually trying to get into that, into that place, into that space where you're saying, okay, when I peel back all the layers of everything I've done, you're peeling back thirty odd years of programming. How did you decide, okay, how were you able to give, come with an answer that got you out of the naughty corner and into the dancing circle? Yeah. As I sat there, I, I just started to pay attention to where I was. I mean, how amazing was it for me, a, a young person from a village in San Fernando, South Trinidad, to be in this village in northern Uganda affecting the lives of 900 women. And I just got fired from a, a quote-unquote big work, big job, mm -hmm. an important job. So as I sat there, I thought about, I must have something to contribute. And then the woman, the women were telling me that the things that you own and the things that you accomplish says something about you but it can't be who you are. And what they were saying to me is the things that you have and what you, you gain show that you're disciplined. You're a disciplined person to study this hard and, and to save money. Mm -hmm. You're disciplined. So it's about those characteristics. It's not about the things per se. And that kind of helped me in that moment, but after that moment, I started paying attention to everything in a moment rather than I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, okay, well, what do I have to do tomorrow? Do I have anything to do tonight? Or I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And just being present and listening and learning from people who had a different experience. And it was difficult because I was conditioned to prove to people that I can do a job and I can do certain things. So in that space, I didn't have to prove anything to anyone because they knew who I was. They knew once Akoswa comes with us, that she's coming to in love and in service. And that's all they cared about. They cared about me showing up who I was, not to prove to them that I can do it. And there were so many lessons that showed me that I didn't have to prove to them why I was there. Oh yeah, so why were you there? Because I know that's the second question. <laughs> you know? Who are you? Why are you here? Why were you there? And yeah. Did you just tell them because I was in Canada and the yeah. Ottawa? Yeah, I did. 
And they, they accepted that? No, oh, they did not. They, 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 they laughed. Some <laughs> some of them laughed. Some of them got quiet and they, they thought that I was not as smart as they heard. Oh, shucks. And considered it. And I answered, you know, why I was there. Because I wasn't just there to work. I was there as part of my evolving into that person who could go out into the world and do something better. And the other thing they always say is, you know, you are here to give out the gift that the universe put into you. And you need to figure out what that gift is, whatever it is. It could be cooking, it could be sewing, it could be being a mathematician. Things that you will do for free, you'll do because you love it and it doesn't always have to make you rich and famous. It is for you to contribute to where you are making it better. So if you like to make cakes and you work at a nine-to-five job, make the cakes because it makes you happy. And when you go out into the world, you'll be a happier person because you have satisfied that need and you know why you are here. You know that I make cakes, I make good cakes, it makes me happy. And once I'm happy, everything around me will work better. But a lot of times we like to either hustle mm-hmm. or we don't want to do that thing because it's not going to generate that money and, and fame. Or we don't know how it's going to generate that money. Exactly. And, and we are afraid of it. So once I realized that I just have a responsibility to just be who I am, the best me, that's why I'm here, and, and to impart that gift to the world. Listen, Akosua, people pay big money to life coaches, to career coaches, and all of these to learn what you learned in Uganda. Yeah, you know, yeah. It sounds like there's some serious wisdom yeah. in Northern Uganda, you know. Yeah. And the kind of things that they would ask me. Like one day I was rushing in to, to meet them. And they said, Madam Akoswa, how many U's do you have? <laughs> I find these people like to hurt people head. Eh? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, how many U's do you have? I said, well, you need to explain that to me because I'm, I'm not following. And they said, you know, we see one you when you come to work with us. And then we see one you when we go, when we have fun. And then we see one you when we, we go out to get our business. You're confusing us. Mm-hmm. There's one you. Yes, and we want to talk, I want to talk about that business that you did up there because yeah, there's a really exciting story there. Yeah. But I know the third question at that time, from the wisdom from Northern Uganda is... What are you doing with your story? Did they ask you that as yet then? No, that came at a different point. Ah. But what would happen is everywhere I go, they would ask, who are you and why are you here? Ah, okay. And that last question was, wasn't asked as much, but it was impactful. Okay. All right. So let's talk about this business story. Because I see it was 901 woman. I guess you were the... I was the one. You was the one. You're the one. <laughs> All right. So you have an agriculture business. Let's tell us that story. Like, you know, starting off that business, building that business and actually getting funding for that business. Yeah. So the premise was we use what we have. And what they did have was a lot of land and they had a love for growing food. They did it well. So we use what we had. And the business was to grow food and take the knowledge from that and develop seeds for other farmers. So we would sell seeds for maize and corn and different things and also sell the food. Who would you sell it to? We would sell it to other villages. So we would have to go into town and sell it to other farmers Okay, so within the country. So you're, you're getting to town on foot? No, 
town is far. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had different farmers within the village and different farmers within the country. And, and the vision was to be the number one in, the, in East Africa. So we had to expand uh, our reach. Okay. So we would plan it so that at some point we would go into town. Uh, we would use Boda Bodas, which is bikes or taxis. Not like taxis that we know, but no, no. they're equivalent to taxis. And um, the aim was really to use these women and the land and grow this business and develop different strains of seeds for maize and sorghum and, and that kind of thing. All right. So we're selling and everything. Like, how is our revenues looking? Our numbers right. looking? So initially, we had this little space in a yard and we would sell from there. Mm-hmm. We'd go to the market and raise funds for the business, sell the food in the market, save it to raise funds. Okay, when you say raise funds, I mean, you, you'll just save the proceeds from sales? Yeah, save the proceeds from the sales to put back into the business. Okay, not yes. actually raise funds in terms of going and looking for money. Hey, we, we're trying to sell some not seeds. Yet. Not, not yet. Not okay. yet. We started off small by selling in the market, using that money to reinvest into the business. And um, the vision was very clear. We would have a business, not an NGO and profit, ask for grants. Yeah, profits, <laughs> yeah. Trade, not aid. So we started small with a big vision to be the number one agricultural seed company in East Africa. Having no experience of business, none of them. And, you know, we were going along well. We had our plans. We had to find money to expand and the lessons was really in executing a vision that nobody believed in outside of these women. And what I learned is once you have a clear vision and you're willing to take risks and do certain things that would enhance your own personal journey, then it would happen. So for example, in certain parts of the country, women were not supposed to own businesses. So for them now to say we're going to own a business, of course, that is crazy. But they persisted. They were like, well, where are the men anyway? Most of them are not here. Most of them died or they went into different places for work. So we're going to do it. And that was difficult because every turn you make, you would hear, well, you're not supposed to do that. So I learned from that. When you have this clear vision and people are telling you you're not supposed to do that, you, you know for a fact that you can do it. But it will be difficult. It will be challenging. So you have to be ready. And um, through that whole experience of being told that we cannot do it, we were able to gain strength from that and grow that business into firstly the number one agricultural seed company in the country. Where were the stats? How were you able to access the um, the statistics to see that, okay, well, here's our rankings and all of these things? Well, first we got many awards. You got awards? Yeah, we had many awards from international agencies. Richard Branson actually came and met Josephine. All right. Well, if Richard was involved, then, yeah, then it's serious. Yeah. She even met Obama and George Bush. You too? You wasn't that? No. I just met the um, prime minister and president of the country because more awards were given. The statistics behind that, we were able to pioneer without even really thinking about it, a debt and equity situation because right. nobody was willing to give money to these women. So we had to go abroad and access money. Think about it. How amazing that is. You're from our village in, on the border of, of South Sudan and Uganda, and you're able to access funds from Scandinavia. 
Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I want to get to that, right? So, I understand in order to get these friends from Scandinavia, right? First of all, we went to about 46 banks and all of them tell us no. Yeah. That's a lot of no's. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But then there's a story where, I don't know if it's Josephine or one of the other ladies, they went in the bush yeah. and they got some bush wisdom and said, aha, <laughs> we need to go to Norway. Yeah. And all of us are Norway's investing 1.2 million US. So, you need to walk me through that, please. Yeah. That is where I learned about persistence and determination. So I mentioned before that women were not supposed to own businesses. We started going out to different banks, financial institutions within the country. And each time we go, they would say no for whatever reason. Where's your husband? Where's your son? No, 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 no. There were a lot of no's. And I was getting frustrated Maybe after five, six no's, rejection is hard. And um, what would happen is she would disappear for a few days and then come back refreshed and raring to go, come on, come on, Madam Akosua, let's go. And I would be baffled them. I would ask, well, what happened in the last few days that have you so upbeat? Mm-hmm. And she would say, I, I went to the bush and you need to find your bush. Just Josephine? Yes. <laughs> All right, Josephine. So <laughs> I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And, you know, she would say, you need to find your bush because you're frustrated. Right. And we would go back to the banks, 46 banks we went to. Each bank said no. She went into the bush. She came out. She said Where's Norway? So I don't know what was in that bush. I said, is there internet in that bush or something? <laughs> what is going on? Are you smoking the bush? She went on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> and that is when she said to me, you need to find a space where you can be still and tap into yourself. Where a lot of the answers are and be brave enough to listen to that still voice. And that's what I did going into the bush. Oh, you went in the bush too? No, she, that's what she was telling me. Oh, okay. That's what she did going into the, into the bush. She was able to be still, regenerate herself and, and listen to that voice. And the voice said, the people in Norway have a conscience and let's get the money from there. And, and it was difficult, but we got the money, $1.5 million. No, I mean, how did you communicate with Norway? I mean, again, I'm just remembering no power, like, but we phone call, internet. Yeah. Well, the power used to go. Oh, it, oh. it wasn't that it didn't have any at all. It used, certain places didn't have, but in the town, there was power. It just used to be not consistent. So what we did, we researched Places in Norway, people in Norway, and we were able to talk to quite a few people. And there's a organization that gives money through angel funding. Mm-hmm. And we reached out. They came, they saw, and they liked, and the rest is history. And what they did is they bought into the company as shareholders. That's the equity part. And they gave a loan as well. So... Once we got the money, she said, now, now we're finished. Now we can celebrate because we do it until it's done. We don't give up. You find your still space and, and you regenerate. And I mean, that's so applicable anywhere. Anywhere you, you are, you can take the time to, to find that still place where you can listen and tap into your own power and since i've been back here i've been using christmas time around december to find my bush to find a bush yeah to to be quiet be still all right so is is it from this experience that you're able to to be awarded this social entrepreneur of the year award yeah i think that was the main driver behind it because I mean, coming from that, having a state-of-the-art facility, 
when we were just in a yard, rats running around. Oh God. It was tough. All right. So let me zoom back out, right? Yeah. So, you know, we, we started in accounts. We studied all these accounts and everything. We got yeah. this, we went abroad to London. We came back home. We got a big job. Money nice, things yeah. nice. And then we got fired on national television, breakdown, end up in Uganda, build a business, didn't get any equity fine. <laughs> but we came back home and we got a, a social entrepreneurship award. Right? But now we want to write books. Yeah. Now we're giving TED Talks. Yeah. So, I mean, what led to that? While I was in Uganda, I had a journal. And... In the journal, I used to write, what did I learn today? Because I was just in awe of some of the things that they were talking about and asking me the kind of questions they were asking me every day. So I started writing in, my, in the journal about how I want to be, what kind of person I want to be in the world, how many yous do I have, you know? Mm-hmm. How can I be of service? Why am I here? Every day I would write in my journal and and it would lead me to some of the things that I chose as a definition of success, which didn't make a difference now. And to be honest, writing in that journal kind of saved me from myself because running away from getting fired and getting divorced and losing the things that I thought made me successful was a big blow to me. I didn't really process it. So writing the journal and being around those women helped me. And at some point, the way they share knowledge is to tell stories. So every Sunday, we would come outside and they would teach the younger ones how to do the dances for the weddings and the dances for the funeral and the dances for, and they would teach them about making shoes and the cloth. That was their Sunday passing on knowledge. And they kept telling me, you know, you should really tell your story. You should tell your story. You have a responsibility to, to share your story. And I was not taking them on. And, from a random meeting, there was a American woman who came to do some training with us. And we were talking in a group. And she asked, oh, you know, how did you end up in Uganda? And I just gave a little synopsis. And she said, oh, part of our group is publishing. But I didn't go through her. I thought, you know, no, that is, that is too close. <laughs> But these signs were there, tell your story, tell your story. And while I was in Uganda, I approached Balboa Press on, online and I sent in the journal and, and here we are. Oh, you just sent in your journal and, and that was it? Yeah, they, they contacted me. They said, yeah, we like this. And of course, we changed it up. And the rest is history. So this was the first book. Um, first book, What Did I Learn Today? Right. Lessons on the Journey to Unconditional Self-Love. This was published in August 2013. Yeah. While I was in Uganda, I didn't see this book. I told them when the book is finished, send it to my aunt in Houston. But yeah, type it in Microsoft Word and all these things. Yeah, send everything to them. We had pretty long conversations. I was getting cold feet because I put everything in the book that I never told anyone about getting divorced and fired and, and all of those things. And my aunt got the book and she called me all excited. I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. I saw it had lots of um, five stars. That's five star on Amazon, you know? Yeah. I didn't see anything less than five stars. I was scared to, to share the story at the time. So I didn't see the book for months. The final one. Okay. Final version. And, um, you know, once I owned it, I owned the fact that's my story. But how, how have been book sales so far on that particular book? It's been okay. I was very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to launch it in New York, Atlanta, and D.C. Nice. So in 2015, early 2015, when I came back, the book was launched in the U.S. and Canada as well. But I saw that you um you launched another book 
in March 2015. Yeah. Nyabo, madam, why are you here? And that was the second part of my journal. So the first book was really me telling the story of how I got to Uganda. So it started from my childhood and getting married at a very young age and and the firing and, and moving to Uganda. And the second book was I was in Uganda. What what are the, the things that I I learned and how I grew as a woman in that space? So that one is is more about about that story. Another story that unbelievable things that that they taught me that they didn't even realize they were they were teaching me um, because you know random questions like why do you not be your best when you come. And why do you just hide yourself and not speak up? Did you ever used to be like, oh gosh, all right, I'm going to yeah. talk to these ladies. Let me get my brain ready for yeah. this. Like right now, I just want to relax. And I don't feel no, for no hot question right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> I, it was relentless. And let me give you an example. We were doing a experiment. We wanted to grow this special type of corn maize, but it could only grow at a certain temperature. So we had to drive to a place called Sipi, which was on the border of Kenya, high up in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And um, to get there, maybe it was a six hour, seven hour drive. Uh, We had to spend the night, of course. So I wanted to not spend the night. So I I was going with, with one of the ladies and she said, you know, why are you resisting this trip so much? Because this could be something big for us if we, we tie down this special type of maze. And I said, you know, I have to be able to access the internet. And I know out there there's none. Right. She said, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? And I said, well, you know, I was in contact with the bank here because I left my house here. In Trinidad. Oh. And um, nobody was living in the house for a while. And I had this huge mortgage because my definition of success is must I must have a house on a hill in Maraval overlooking Port of Spain. Oh, snap. Okay. Right? So as part of the whole firing and divorce and running away, I left. I just ran away and left it. Now, a year had passed. Nobody was in the house. I was neglecting to pay my mortgage, my full mortgage. I'm in Uganda saving the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the bank was now like, what is going on? So I'm now on the internet with the bank dealing with this. So I don't want to tell her that. So she said, come on, you will, you love this place. You'll enjoy it. You don't need any internet. <laughs> So we, 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 we get down to, to CP and um, lovely place. And, and so we're talking now amongst these women. They were talking about the ritual of moving from an adult, from a, a young person to an adult. And um, she was telling them that, you know, Madame Akoswa didn't want to come because there's no internet here. <laughs> she put in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and so we got to talking about why I wanted the, in- the internet. And they said to me, um, so you were talking to the bank about a house you bought. How does the bank get involved in your house? So I said, well, they gave me money to buy the house. So they said, well, then it's not your house. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't understand, Madame Makoswa. It is not your house. So how can the bank sell your house? <laughs> so I'm like, but this making sense. They are making this sense. These women in Uganda are brilliant. <laughs> yeah, they're making sense. Then um, they were telling me, okay, so this is the ritual that we do to move from a girl to a woman. And what ritual do you use? in your country that signifies and they all laughed and they said they buy houses that's not theirs <laughs> you know 
<laughs> and that kind of woke me up. And I felt uh, like a load lifted because it's not your house. <laughs> so let the bank take yeah, it and just, let, just let that. it go. I love that. Like, let it go. From what I'm gleaning from you is that these are ladies from Uganda, Josephine and crew, they have this this clarity, this peace yeah, of mind, yeah. the beauty of a, of a simple life. Yes. You know? Yeah. I love that. Yes. I love that. All right. So you ended up writing a third book, right? And so you moved across from your, your journals and all these things. But I mean, I don't know if this book is also part of your journal because you speak about the bootstrappers way, exploring the use of financial bootstrapping by women entrepreneurs in China and Tobago. So tell us about it. Is this back to your um, accounting training? Yeah. Well, that's a funny story to me now because after I got fired and I moved back to the UK, I decided that a PhD would make me successful. And I started doing a PhD. And my research was on uh, women entrepreneurs in Trinidad and Tobago. And um, that book came out of the research. Ah. But I never finished the PhD. But you finished the book. Yeah. Most importantly. The book was, it's just so strange. Because I was always with the mindset that I would need to be a PhD holder to have my research published. And as fate would have it, it was published without me finishing the PhD. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, I look at the book as a testament of things can happen in a way that is different to what you envision. And um, I really wanted the research to be useful. I didn't think about it in a book form, but I really wanted it to be a practical PhD, not an academic one. And here it is, published into a book. So I'm really, really grateful for, for that. That's really, really awesome. I know you especially wanted to talk about supporting young ladies coming yeah. out of um, care homes. Yeah. Now, care homes is um, essentially nursing homes that are run by people who aren't nurses, right? Well, I use the word care because I took it from the English perspective. Care means uh, under the ward of the state. So in Trinidad, we have one home which... Girls are put under the care of the state. And um, in moving back to Trinidad, I got involved in, in working with those young ladies at the St. Jude's Hope Girls. And um, what I learned from that is when they hit 18, some of them have nowhere to go, literally. And I can't even think about myself at 18 having nowhere to go. You know, I, I, with parents. Yeah. So we have a, a program under the Enabling Enterprise Project called the NINA program. And the NINA program works with young ladies from St. Jude's. NINA, is that? NINA means girl in, in Spanish. Spanish. Young yes. girl in Spanish, right? Yeah. I, was, I was just about to doubt my Spanish. I didn't want to embarrass yeah. myself. <laughs> yes. Because my mother, my mother is fluent in Spanish. Oh, think, but, no, you can't. But yeah, so NINA is young girl in yeah, Spanish. Yeah, NINA. And, um... I think out of everything that I've done, this is the best thing that I've done so far because the lessons from it surpasses so many other lessons. Basically, there is a need for us to really focus on how we are in a situation where it's over a hundred young ladies in a home because they are deemed beyond control mainly or they are given up by their parents for whatever reason. And when they turn 18, they're just out there with no guidance and, and no support to turn them into useful citizens of Trinidad and Tobago. So every year, 30, 40 young ladies come out into the world, into Trinidad and Tobago, that cannot be as useful as they ought to be. Where are we going? To me, it's mind-boggling. 
So we have this transition program that we started last year before we would work with them in the, while they're at St. Jude's, we would use entrepreneurship as an empowerment vehicle as well. So they would spend seven days with us where we would introduce them to other young ladies who have used their life in a positive way, having come from similar circumstances. Uh, we introduce them to women business owners, introduce them to some men to see that, yeah, that they are good men around. And um, at the end of it, they do a business pitch and the top three would win, win a little bit of money to start something. And then once that time is up, we would meet them every month. And sometimes it would just be, you know, a birthday party or we go and have lunch or we have a mentoring session. And then what we realize is, so when they leave the home, we can't just leave them because what will happen? Where are they going? So we, that's why we started the transition part of the program. And how's that programming going so far? It's a challenge. Um, we've been looking for a permanent home. Uh, so right now we're in discussions with uh, our family to lease their house and have a, a, a holistic transition program for these young ladies who, I mean, they've taught me so much about non-judgment and patience. Yeah. They even were able to teach me that there are people in Trinidad and Tobago who are willing to give back. Yeah, I was, I was looking at the picture with um, at the Nina Jude's Home for Girls program. Mm -hmm. I was looking at that on Facebook. I can't remember who's the other person he partnered with. Cleopatra Borel. Cleopatra Borel, yeah, right, yeah. right, right, She's right. She's a right. big supporter. Right, yeah. So I saw that as like, yeah, this is really, this is really a beautiful something. Yeah. You know, so I want to go well full circle right now so yeah. at the beginning you know we said the name Okosua is a a girl's name of Africa and it's actually Ghanaian yes right origin meaning born on a Sunday yeah right and you spent a lot of time in Eastern Africa Uganda Kenya doing these things mainly Uganda you, you lived there for a few years yeah. They, um, you got schooled, yeah. right? And um, you worked and, yeah. you know, <laughs> and you built a company for other people to own equity, right? <laughs> All right. But so, but your first visit to Ghana, yeah. the origin of your name is only just last month, in yeah. December 2019. Yeah. For November. The year, November, yeah. right? For the year of the return. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. Um, and that was an absolutely amazing trip to Ghana. And um, originally, the trip was for me to introduce the book Nyabo into uh, Libraria, which is a, a book community in, in Accra, Ghana, and also to meet some women in, in the rural communities to see what they're doing with entrepreneurship as an empowerment vehicle. So I was so excited that it coincided with the the year of the return where the Ghanaian government has invited people from the diaspora to come and see Ghana and invest. And yeah. And I mean, as I, as I touched down in Ghana, I always remember it. The immigration officer took my Trinidad and Tobago passport and he opened it mm -hmm. and he saw my name was Akoswa. And he said, that's his cousin's name. <laughs> he, he said, when did you change your name? <laughs> I love it. Uh, I said, no, my mother gave me the name. And he said, welcome home. And just the, the fact that there were so many other people with that name in Ghana, it's a very common name. The thing that stood out for me, two things. One, the people are, are absolutely amazing and friendly and, and open. The second thing is going to the Cape Coast where there's a door of no return. Yes. The door of no return is the last door that the Africans went through before coming to the Caribbean and the Americas. From the time they entered Cape Coast, they became enslaved. 
So going to, to Cape Coast Castle and seeing where our ancestors or my ancestors left from, because to actually leave, you had to be a survivor because that, that holding bee was so excruciating and, and humiliating and without clothes, you were bound and chained. You know, you were treated really badly three weeks before you, you left that door. So it really said to me that I really have a responsibility as, as one of the survivors, as one, as one of the, the ones who survived through that journey to make something better of my life and to make where I am significant and better because people died on that journey and just seeing it and, and you almost kind of feel the emotion while you're at the door because out the door is, is water and you go on this boat. The way they kept it was amazing. I don't know how they kept the hurt. They kept the feeling. They kept, they kept the authenticity of the place. And that, to me, was significant. And I think I came back here with all of the emotions and lessons from that trip, knowing that I have an important job. I know now for sure why I am here. And what I will do with my story. So it's almost like full circle. Indeed. I mean, that's really interesting. And yes, you're thinking that the world was a really crazy place. Yeah. 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. You know, when you look at what was happening like in Germany, yeah. Poland, and all these things, in terms of what's happening with the, on the Jews side. And then you look across to what's happening in terms of the slave trade and everything. Yeah, man, that's crazy. All right. Yeah. Akoswa. Yeah. <laughs> As we are, get ready to, to wrap. I want to ask some questions that you're accustomed to hearing, right? I mean, we only want, we want a nice streamlined answer here. So, okay. who are you? Why are you here? <laughs> and what are you doing with your story? Yes. Akoswa. Yes. Who am I? I am Akoswa. I am divine, courageous, patient, and compassionate. I... I'm a child of the source of all things and I am love and I'm here in service. All right, of course, so. <laughs> I'm giving you open mic, mm-hmm. open forum, open platform. Is there anything else that we haven't covered today that you want to make sure you get out to the podcast world before you wrap? Yeah, well, a couple of things. One, I want to commend you for this podcast and for giving so many of us an opportunity to tell our story in a way that we feel safe. I congratulate you on it and I wish you all the best and hope it continues and get out there as much as possible because telling our stories is a way of reflecting back to us how great we are and how much power we have. So well done on that. Thank you. The other thing I want to say is in Trinidad and Tobago, a lot of times we have this tendency to take where we are, where we live for granted, this place called Trinidad and Tobago. But I want to suggest that we stop and reflect on how wonderful we have it here. And if we take the time to build on what we have, we will be in a better place. We would be a better place. We would be a better country and we would be better citizens. But we focus a lot on what we don't have and what we should be doing rather than what we have. Not to say that it's perfect, but in being grateful for what we have, we multiply it rather than complaining because complaining gives us the impression that we're doing something. But that energy, complaining without actually doing anything. And you don't have to do anything big. You could start right where you are by, by being manly, by being clean, by not littering. Simple things like that would enhance not just ourselves, but where we are in Trinidad. So I would like to say that if we all get together 
and do something every day. One, be grateful, and two, focus on what we have, and three, share our stories in a way that promotes growth rather than judgment, then I think we would be a much better place. Podcast World, there you have it. Who are you and why are you here with Akosua Edwards? Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at caribbeanpowerlunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on CastBox, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And with that, Podcast World, Akosua. Thank you very much. We are out.